Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back. Hi, folks. How is everyone doing today? It is the year 2020, so things are a little bit crazy out there. So I hope you're staying safe, and I especially hope you're staying sane as all of us uh, pass through the collective crises that are happening all around us. Right now, I, so I live in Houston, Houston, Texas, and there was a storm that just passed through, Hurricane Laura, which is awesome. I have my own hurricane, <laughs> right? And so Laura actually didn't hit us directly. At the last second, she veered east and did hit some border towns between Texas and Louisiana. So if you are from Lake Charles or Beaumont or Orange or any of those towns in that area, I'm so sorry. And I hope that things get better. You're in my prayers. And so I, we are, we're a little bit concerned about our neighbors to the east. So I hope everything goes well for them. But we were fortunate enough to not have the storm hit us like we thought it would, at least not this time. There are a couple of other storms brewing in the Atlantic. But hurricanes, you know, I grew up in Louisiana. Hurricanes is just a part of life and we'll get through. So stay safe and stay sane out there because we are all passing through some crazy stuff in this world, right? So today we are discussing an important topic that will inevitably come up for you if you are recovering from narcissist abuse. It is self-sabotage. Oh, one other thing. You may hear my kids in the background. I apologize about that. I am recording during the day. And so if you do hear them, I hope that it's not too much of a distraction for you, but it should be fine, right? Right. <clears throat> anyway, so self-sabotage, this is a big one. It is, it is the strange phenomenon that is responsible for your mysterious failures in life, right? So this is, it's, it shows up when you, you go for the ambitious goal, but you never quite get it, or you find yourself frequently the victim of things, but you didn't plan or intend for those things to happen. Yet looking at those around you, it's like it happens to you more. It looks like being terrified of failure, but also secretly scared of success. It's both y'all. It looks like getting really, really close to making it, but then not making it at the end. It's like the second place syndrome, the quit before you even start syndrome or the, I don't know why this always happens to me syndrome. Okay. So here's some specific examples. Let's say you bomb the interview of the job that you have been striving to get for years. And then you get to the interview and you bomb it. That's self-sabotage. Or you get the dream job, right? You land it, but you fail miserably at it so that you get fired or you quit. <clears throat> you, uh, here's some more. You tend to find yourself only in abusive relationships while others around you all have healthy ones. You finally get the courage to leave your abusive relationship only to find out 
that you're pregnant. You get really close to finishing the degree, but you drop out. Or you get the degree, but you don't do anything with it after. You try to lose weight, but you always gain it back. Or you always fail at losing weight. You set goals to accomplish things on a particular day, but the night before, you stay up all night arguing on a Facebook thread. (laughs) Or maybe you finally do leave that abusive relationship, but then you end up going back or you jump right into the next abusive relationship. These are all examples of self-sabotage because essentially it is the subconscious way that our minds set us up for failure. Okay, so before I move on, I want to be abundantly clear. Today's message is not see all your failures in life. Turns out it's your fault. No, okay, I want you to hear me loud and clear. It is not your fault that you have had some failures in life that can be explained by self-sabotage, okay? Self-blame is not appropriate here. It is not something I allow my clients to do, and so we're not going to go there today and and do not go there. If you're listening to this this episode and you are recognizing some things that have happened to you, happened to you in your life, the default reaction in your mind might be, oh my gosh, it's my fault. How can you possibly tell me it's my fault? Or you really start to blame yourself and you think you're absolutely right. It is my fault. I'm a horrible person. And I caused all of this. I brought this all upon myself. No, absolutely not. Do not go there. Okay. It is not your fault because here's the difference between it being your fault and it being an unconscious mechanism in your mind that you just aren't aware of, right? So imagine you're driving a car. You're on the freeway, and if you let go of the steering wheel, even a little bit, the, the car starts pulling to the left. So is it the car's fault that it pulls to the left naturally? No. It is, the, is it the driver's fault that the car is pulling to the left, even though the driver is in charge of steering? No. It's just a simple repair. The tires are imbalanced and the alignment needs to be corrected. Did the car mean to have its tires out of balance? No. Did the driver intend for the alignment to be out of whack? Absolutely not. Balance and aligning your tires in your car will automatically, if you, or if you actually get your tires aligned and your car balanced, your car will actually automatically drive straight all the time. Okay. And it's no one's fault. It's just the state of the car. Seriously. So I hope you can understand the difference between it being your fault and a subconscious mechanism that you're not aware of. Okay. So self-sabotage is quite literally a mechanical brain issue, just like the car example that we just talked about that with some work you can actually repair so that you consistently create wins. Okay. So how does the self-sabotage mechanism work and why is it there? Before we do that, we need to understand the basics of how the brain works. Our brains have evolved to do three very specific things. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. This is called the motivational triad. You can Google it. (laughs) Now, this motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain, be efficient, has allowed for our continued survival over the last 30,000 years. That's how we've become our uh, ourselves. It's how we be, we've become the human race. The Homo sapien race is because we've had these three mechanisms in our brains, and our brains have actively seek 
out feeling better at all times. And it will avoid anything that hurts, anything that is uncomfortable, that is hard or scary. And when it finds the system that works and that system is repeated over and over and over again, that system is it becomes efficient in, in that it turns into autopilot. It sinks down into the subconscious mind. So for example, let's say you drive to work every day. Have you ever driven home from work only to realize you completely zoned out the entire drive home? Uh, I know I have. <laughs> and what that's ha- what's happening is that's your brain having driven the same route over and over and over going into autopilot because it loves to be efficient. Okay. So the self-sabotage mechanism is the autopilot system located deep in your subconscious. This is the part of your brain that's located in the brainstem, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the the cerebellum. And those parts of your brain are responsible for survival. And these are the parts of your brain that are in charge of your breathing when you forget. It's in charge of your heart pumping and other automatic systems that keep you alive without your conscious awareness or even your own conscious effort. You don't have to think about these mechanisms happening because that part of your brain takes over. It's outside of your conscious awareness. So when you are abused by narcissists, this part of your brain is activated because you have been trained to survive the abuse in specific ways. In other words, your brain has been wired to make sure that you are safe at all times and self-sabotage is ultimately not about failure for failure's sake. It's actually about safety, right? Because when when it comes to survival, your brain isn't worried about failure. Your brain doesn't care. Your brain only cares about whether you survive the moment or not. So failure is not even part of what's happening in the lower part of your brain. That, that, that part is not aware of what failure is. So when you self-sabotage and all this failure happens in your life, know that that's part of that part of your brain that's worried about safety is running the show. So what does this look like in people who have been abused by narcissists? For example, narcissists do not like it when you achieve things. (laughs) They only like it when they achieve things, or at least when those around them don't achieve things. Okay. This is because they are deeply insecure and they rely on others to make them feel better. And when others around them succeed, they have huge emotional reactions, right? Jealousy, anger, sarcasm, bitterness, resentment. Uh, so your success in life makes them feel inferior or it makes them hyper aware of their own failures, okay? Which is absolutely unacceptable. It's a completely unacceptable emotion in their minds for a narcissist. So they are compelled to bring you down at every opportunity so that their inferiority goes away. Now, especially for children, but even for adults, these big emotional reactions are terrifying, especially in intimate relationships. These emotional reactions trigger the abandonment threat, right? So go back to your lower brain concerned with survival in the moment uh, or not, right? You, you, it only interprets things that, okay, in this direction, we survive in this direction. We don't. Abandonment is one of those survival triggers because when you are abandoned, you don't survive. When you are loved and accepted and included, you survive. This goes back to kind of tribal days. Um, It goes back to um, infant brains, right? So 
in the group, you're more likely to survive than if you're alone, okay? Or when you're an infant, you're more likely to survive when you're not abandoned, right? So the babies who cry and who develop a bond with their with their mothers or, or yeah, with their with their families, with their caregivers, those babies are more likely to survive than the babies who are abandoned, right? So so that part of your brain is is highly, highly triggered when abandonment is present. And with narcissists, these big emotional reactions mean that they withdraw their love, right? So they're happy and they're pleasant and they love you until you do something that makes them really, really angry. And then they withdraw their love. And and in your brain, that is interpreted as abandonment. So you are no longer loved if you succeed. Do you see the connection? Okay, here's another one. So interestingly, your success triggers their abandonment fear, okay? Isn't that fascinating, right? So it means they make your success mean that you're selfish and that you'll leave them. So they might react completely differently than the one who feels inferior, right? So they might get really sad or really afraid that you'll abandon them. So they are compelled to say things that make you feel guilty, okay? And guilt doesn't feel good. Your brain perceives the guilt in your body. It's painful and it goes to work to eliminate it because you remember the triad, the brain is designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Guilt is painful. So it's going to avoid guilt at all costs. And in your mind, the source of the guilt is their emotion, right? It's logical. So you work to eliminate their emotion. How do you do that? Your brain identifies the source of their emotion, which is you succeeding. Simple. Therefore, you stop succeeding so they stop feeling bad or angry or whatever emotion they're having so that you stop feeling the guilt or you stop feeling the fear and everything is safe for everybody and everything is fine. And it's, it's kind of a big drawn out process, but that, but it happens in your brain lightning fast. And especially if it happens over and over and over again, it keeps getting faster because your brain is very efficient. And in this scenario, you have adapted because you are wired to adapt. You survived your pain by deciding deep down that from now on, you'll never succeed so that they never have to feel bad. And as a result, you get to feel safe. This mechanism was likely developed in childhood, but can be developed in adulthood. When it is developed and enforced over time through repeated scenarios like this with your narcissist, the neural pathways in your brain become well-worn and drop into efficiency, dropping the mechanism from conscious awareness so that it runs automatically, even when the narcissist is no longer in your life. It simply becomes the way that you treat yourself and the way you treat others, the way you see everything. It's like a filter. Another way self-sabotage manifests in your life is when you find yourself having had multiple toxic relationships over and over again. You always seem to attract the same kind of man or woman in your life. The relationship always fails and you have multiple divorces or multiple fathers or mothers of your children and they all treated you badly. Your autopilot mechanism becomes a filter, okay? So you actually filter out all the healthy relationship options out there and only seek the unhealthy ones. Crazy, right? (laughs) 
And, and remember, you're not doing this on purpose. Again, this is not your fault, but it is your brain that has been wired to only be attracted to people who will hurt you. Trust me, I know because I've experienced this myself. And this is not just romantic partners, okay? It's bosses, frenemies, right? It could be clients. Any person with whom you have an interpersonal relationship, this pattern will repeat. So if you're starting to see this kind of pattern with the people in your life, remember, it's not your fault. It's not that you wanted this. You didn't bring this upon yourself. But your brain has been trained to only seek these kinds of people out, to only see them. So you remember the new, remember the new car analogy? I think I've said this before. I don't remember if I've said it on this podcast or not, but and <laughs> apparently there's a lot of car analogies in this episode. <laughs> but uh, the, the new car, right? So if you've ever bought a brand new car, a very strange things happen. Let's say you drive a Toyota Camry, okay, but you decided to upgrade and you bought a BMW. Suddenly, you start seeing BMWs all over the road. You they're everywhere. But before, you didn't see any BMWs, but they were there. You just didn't notice them. This is because the brain can only process a certain amount of input at a time, and in order to increase efficiency, it creates a filter of what you've already experienced. That filter makes it so you automatically only notice Toyota Camrys, and when that changes, the filter changes. So you start to see things that were always there, but that your brain filtered out. And in this case, it's the BMWs. Fascinating, right? <laughs> so this is this is true for relationships. You are surrounded by healthy people who won't hurt you, but you can't see them because your brain filters them out. And as soon as you start to really heal, you'll start to notice the healthy people. They'll start to be more obvious to you and you won't reject them and you won't ignore them. And the toxic people in your life will start to disappear. It's kind of like magic. It's kind of amazing. So uh, a lot of my clients own their own businesses. And one of the things we work on is overcoming and healing the self-sabotage mechanism that is showing up in their business. Usually they aren't reaching their goals like they want to, and they're just really frustrated and lost. So we identify the exact self-sabotage mechanism that they have because everyone's is different. Okay. So one client, her self-sabotage showed up in three specific ways, perfectionism, deep shame, and primal fear. The perfectionism demanded that she do everything perfectly all the time without fail. Perfect makeup, perfect videos, perfect emails, perfect parenting, perfect budgeting, perfect interactions with others. If it wasn't going to be perfect, she wasn't motivated to do it. So she didn't send out emails that she wanted to send or film videos for her products that would help them sell. She wallowed in the inaction day after day, doing some things sometimes, but never as much as she wanted or thought she needed to. And she would spend an extreme amount of time perfecting the things that she did create. The perfectionism mechanism was there because it protected her from mechanism number two, deep shame. If she wasn't perfect, she would beat herself up and feel intense shame every single night ruminating over conversations, embarrassed over how she messed up multiple times and everything all day. The constant pain in her body drove her to deal with that pain, right? Motivational triad, seek pleasure and avoid pain by doing things she really didn't want to do, like overeating sugar or procrastinating or not posting or not sending those emails or staying in bed when she could be working. 
and sometimes the shame would be so intense, she would contemplate suicide. And around and around she went, setting herself up for, for uh, sorry, <clears throat> setting herself up for perfection, failing, <clears throat> beating herself up for the failure, which ultimately produced a ton of pain, which inspired her to take more action that was considered in her mind to be failure, which created more shame and around and around she went. But guess what? All that pain was actually still protecting her from the third mechanism, complete and utter primal fear that if she didn't stay perfect and beat herself up when she failed, it meant that she was fundamentally unsafe for everyone around her, that she was a monster who would hurt others if she didn't keep tight control of herself. This very deep place was there because of a lot of childhood trauma that she had, but that she blamed herself for, that the adults around her taught her to blame herself for. And as a result, this is how she's lived her life for decades. Okay. Do you see how, even though it was, these are choices that she is making, that it wasn't her fault that she made them and that she is not to blame for the choices that she's making, but that she is actively making these choices and that no one is forcing her to. See, notice how it's not her fault, but that she has the power to change it if she does the work to undo the self-sabotage mechanisms that are in her brain, okay? So another client, she had self-sabotage mechanisms manifested in her romantic relationships. Each and every boyfriend since adolescence and husbands in adulthood have been abusive in some way, getting progressively worse. She finally gets the courage to leave one, and within six months or less, she's involved with someone new who is slightly worse. But the fascinating thing is that each relationship is also getting progressively more wealthy. So we've got two mechanisms in place. The subconscious, in her case, is wired to seek out on autopilot well, actually, this is true for everyone. So the subconscious is wired to seek out on autopilot that which is familiar, even if it's painful. So she was raised in a narcissist home. Therefore, her filter only allows her to seek out narcissists because she knows how to deal with them. She knows how to manipulate them and be manipulated. Okay, it's a two-way street. It's painful for her, but um, for her subconscious brain, it's like home, right? The other mechanism at play was created because she also grew up with a scarcity around money. Particularly, she felt that her father did not provide for her, which she believed he should have financially. There's a lot of divorce, you know, and missed um, child support payments and, you know, not living, not having everything she needed. And she blames him for her childhood of financial suffering. And as a result, she seeks out partners with money so that she can feel safe and taken care of. For her, money is her love language, quote unquote. We'll talk about love languages at some point. Uh, I've got some opinions. But in this case, if you are familiar with the, with the concept of love languages, money for sure is her love language. So in other words, if you buy her something and it's a very expensive thing, it literally creates thoughts in her mind where she says, oh, you do love me, right? And, and I don't say this to be judgmental because... Wealth is just wealth. Wealth is is neutral, and um, we use money in lots of different ways. And so, but for her, absolutely, if you provide for her, 
if you over provide for her, then that equals love to her. And if you don't, that equals lack of love. And that's a, that's a powerful subconscious mechanism happening in her brain. And I mean, this, it's a primal mechanism. It, It is rooted in survival because asking her to leave a wealthy situation, you know, even if it hurts her is, even if that situation is abusive and is painful for her, it's like, it's like asking her to breathe underwater. It goes against her very survival to leave her wealthy yet abusive situation. It's powerful stuff, y'all. So in the act of employing these mechanisms, she forgets that she is capable of creating as much wealth as she wants all on her own. Now, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with wealth uh, or lack thereof, right? This is true for you too. Each one of us is capable of creating as much wealth as we want. We don't have to rely on literally anyone. If you're an adult, you're able to create money. That's a possibility for you. And in her case, she doesn't have to pay for wealth with this kind of pain, especially. It's not necessary. Wealth doesn't have to be this painful. But she doesn't know how to love herself as she is, only in relation to how happy she is making her partner and vice versa, and only... excuse me, in relation to how much wealth she has access to and how safe and taken care of she feels. Yeah. Sorry. I've got a lot of, um, pregnancy phlegm. I don't know if I've mentioned this. (laughs) Uh, we're due in December of 2020. So we're really excited, but I've got a lot of like, it's, it's really nasty. So I apologize. (laughs) That was TMI. Anyway, where were we? All right. So notice how in Each of these examples, these women are making choices that contribute to their pain, but that none of it is their fault. I want to reiterate this. They aren't to blame for any of these mechanisms. Now, these women are the only ones that can do the work to undo the mechanisms in their own brains. Okay. So it's not their fault, but they are the only ones that can undo it. They are the only ones that can fix it. And here's the thing. This is good news. They don't have to wait for someone to come and save them. They have all the power that they need. All they have to do is notice the mechanisms, understand the source, and do the work to heal. So this is what that looks like. It's like learning. It looks like learning unconditional self-love, taking responsibility for their choices in a loving and empowered way, not with blame. When you take responsibility for your choices, you're never blaming yourself. You're saying, I understand I made that choice and I now understand why I did it. And I'm going to make a new choice, right? It's understanding the truth, but not in a way that creates this sense of brokenness and failure for yourself. Okay. We, it also looks like forgiving yourself and others, and opening your mind up to new possibilities of thoughts so that you can retrain your mind with the new thoughts that will automatically create healthy relationships. So we reverse engineer the self-sabotage process, right? If self-sabotage is just a survival mechanism that was repeated over and over again and sunk into your subconscious, then undoing and reverse engineering that is creating new thoughts, new possibilities repeating them over and over until they sink into your subconscious and that becomes your new autopilot, all right? 
So this is how they're going to recreate and retrain themselves to create healthy relationships, successful businesses that are just easy, right? And, and, and create that wealth that they seek. There's nothing wrong with seeking for wealth. Money is an amazing tool that can be used to help the entire world. All right. And a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about wealth. We'll get into that. I have a podcast episode coming up about money and it's going to be really, really good. And we'll talk about wealth and we'll talk about thoughts about wealth and how to create it and how to avoid the negative things. All right. That's coming. So for now, we'll stick to self-sabotage, right? So reverse engineering the self-sabotage mechanisms in your mind is not easy and it's not immediate, but it is possible and it is amazing. It is so worth all of the work that's required to do it. I have so many clients who have learned these lessons and their lives are totally different. One client told me today that eating healthy, and I'm not a weight loss coach, right? But it just happened to work out for her that we were working on other things. And she noticed that eating healthy is easy now because we have worked. We've done intense work uh, that she's been doing to manage her self-sabotage instincts, reverse engineer them over several weeks. Okay. Another client ended an abusive relationship and it wasn't hard or complicated for him because of the work that we've been doing over the last several months so that he could learn self-respect boundaries and self-love. Once he really learned those principles and put them into practice, changing his relationship situation was actually completely natural. He didn't have to get the courage to leave the abusive situation. It just kind of happened and he was able to do it without a lot of struggle. Another client is making more money in her business than ever before. And she's been in her business now, uh, I want to say three years, three or four years. And she has broken the ceiling of the amount of money that she's made. It's incredible because her self-sabotage mechanisms were in place this whole time and we've dealt with them. And now it's successfully reverse engineered and she isn't afraid of success or failure anymore, right? Because success and failure, that fear goes both ways. She's not afraid of them anymore. And this is a fun bonus. She gets way better sleep because, <laughs> um, her subconscious is no longer on default anxiety mode. We, we worked on getting her out of default anxiety. So that's super fun that she, she actually gets, you know, as opposed to five to six hours per night, she's getting like nine to 10 hours of sleep per night. And she's making more money than she's ever made before. How does that sound? It's fantastic. And she did it by changing her brain. And it's so possible for you too, if you are struggling with a lot of self-sabotage. So another thing that our brain is wired to do is to search for problems. This is how, this is how we survive, right? We're really good at finding the things that cause us pain so that we can avoid them. But what happens is our brains are wired to search for problems, even when there are no problems. And so this is the mechanism that comes into play when we do succeed. So let's say we are earning more money and, or we found an amazing, healthy relationship. And it's like, we can't tolerate it we still search for something that's wrong when things are going right because we're used to something being wrong. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? It can't be this good, right? And there's this visceral discomfort and anxiety that it's all going to be taken away and we have no control over it. So what happens is that we manage that anxiety by opting out of the success, right? We quit the job or we do so badly at it that we get fired. This is what I call tanking. Or I don't know that I invented it. I probably didn't invent that word, but 
that's what tanking is called, right? You've seen you people who are successful unintentionally tank their success because then they don't have to feel like completely out of control. They fail ahead of time so that they don't have to feel the fear of failure that's coming that's out of their control. In fact, I was reading uh, something in a Facebook group recently where, um, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but it does work for this particular episode, right? So apparently there was a woman who divorced her husband after 18 months because the relationship was, quote, too good. It was too easy. I mean, I don't know if the story was real. And we certainly don't have all the details because, you know, it was a short little blip on a post. But basically, he never fought with her. He always owned his mistakes. He asked for forgiveness. He freely forgave her when she made mistakes, never raised his voice or tried to hurt her. And she could not stand it. (laughs) She just wanted to fight with him. She wanted, quote, personality and fire. So she was done with him. She rejected him. She divorced him. She couldn't tolerate a healthy relationship. Y'all, that is self-sabotage, okay? Healthy relationships are amazing. Trust me, I'm in one. And I I remember when we were first married, I wanted to tank that relationship. I just assumed we would always get divorced. I I picked fights with him and overreacted to things because we weren't fighting as much as I thought we should. It was really, really strange. And I had to learn over the course of the next couple of years, oh, okay, so this is this is healthy. This is normal. This is okay. And it's not going to end. And I, I, I have control over how I behave and I can just relax and be at peace in this very healthy relationship. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy learning those lessons for myself. And I'm so glad I did because I've spent years now just enjoying a very healthy, happy relationship. Can you imagine? I didn't know that I was, that that was available to me. I had always been in relationships that were up and down, high and low. When it was really good, it was really good. And when it was really bad, it was really, really bad, right? It was just so roller coastery. And I'm not in a roller coaster right now. I'm just like really happy and at peace. And it's so much better. And at the time when we were first married, I was just confused and I was bored. And I was just like, what have I done? This is crazy. But boredom and peace are very different things, (laughs) y'all. And if you can be at peace with peace, your life will just be so much better. At least that's my opinion. You know, if if you want to be in a crazy up and down relationship, that's up to you. It's always available to you. There are plenty of people out there, but I think marriage and life is hard enough on its own without creating all the extra drama that could be created. Uh, At least that's, again, my opinion. So, all right. So if you are sensing that some of this self-sabotage stuff might be applying to you, here are some things you can do. There's a, here's some, some tips, some tricks here. Number one, recognize that you probably have some mechanisms that will show up differently than others. And they will have roots that are unique, uh, unique emotional roots that you'll need to find. So what this means is that there might be one mechanism at place or multiple. We don't know for sure. It might be showing up in some areas and not others. It might be even disguising itself very cleverly too. A lot of people look at um, overachievers and think that they've got it all in life. Everything's amazing. They're so happy when in reality they're dying inside and they feel they have to overachieve at everything. And so that's a, that's a cleverly disguised self-sabotage mechanism. Um, 
And so, so if you are starting to kind of see, wait, this might apply to me, there's some possibilities there that you got to be open. Your mind needs to be open to. Okay. So number two, in order to recognize your mechanisms, let's do this exercise. So get out some paper and answer the following questions. What goal have I set for myself over and over again that I haven't achieved yet? Name that goal. Then answer this question. What will happen if I fail at that goal? List out all the reasons. Really dig into this one. <clears throat> and finally, what will happen if I do achieve this goal? List out all the possible consequences. You'll get some really good clarity on this just by answering these two questions. What will happen if I fail? What will happen if I succeed? What are the consequences of both? This includes what's going to happen in your inner world, like your emotions, your actions, and also what's going to happen outside of your world. What are people going to do? And you'll notice some interesting patterns as you do that exercise. Okay. Now, number three, as you're doing the exercise, notice your emotional state in your body. Is your heart racing? Do you feel anxiety answering all these questions? Is there a tightness in your chest? Or do you feel your stomach drop? Do you feel guilt or shame? Or do you feel numb? What emotion is happening in your body as you try to dig into these questions, write those down on the side. See if you can identify what's happening in your body. Really come home and be with the internal emotional landscape that is happening. It's a little bit tricky. When you are dealing with narcissist abuse, a lot of times you want to escape your body. Your body is a very uncomfortable place to be. And so you're not used to being fully aware of what's going on inside of your body. So if that's a struggle for you, don't worry. Don't try too hard and don't think you're going to fail at it. Just practice. Just notice. Notice that it's hard. Maybe write that down. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling in my body and write it down. And notice notice what, um, what physical manifestations are happening, right? We talked about your heart racing, things like that. If there's maybe a color or maybe an image coming to mind when you think about your emotions, get it all out on paper. Nothing, you, you can't go wrong. There is no wrong answer in this exercise because this is all about you. And finally, number four, make a decision. Do you really want this goal or not? There, again, there is no wrong answer. Are you willing to do what it takes to deal with what might happen as a result of this decision? So I think I've talked about this in one of the previous episodes that the worst thing that can happen to you is an emotion. And here's the great news. You can manage emotion. You can survive emotion. Emotion is always survivable. There is no emotion that kills you. The emotion itself does not kill you. There are some emotions like severe anxiety that feels like it's going to kill you, but it's not. Emotion doesn't kill you. So you can survive and you can be with emotion. Emotion is, is your friend and it's just the emotional state of your body. So that's the worst thing that could ever happen to you is an emotion, right? And so what will happen, like, do you really want this goal or not? Yes or no. And when you make this decision, are you willing to deal with all those consequences that you wrote out uh, in the previous uh, steps? So this can be a little bit tricky, but it's really the most important thing is to gain awareness of what's happening in your mind. What are those, those 
self-sabotage mechanisms that are happening? What, what fears present themselves? And what do you do when those fears are present? What do you avoid? What do you do instead? What do you not do as a result of the fears or the anxieties or the emotions that you feel in your body? And notice how that has played out in trying to make the goal happen and see if you can identify the pattern over multiple areas of your life. If you need help with this, trust me, this is what I do all day. I love digging into figuring these things out. If at any time you do this exercise and you want to just send it to me for notes, I would love, love to read it. Email me, Laura, L-A-U-R-A at bythewaycoaching.com, B-Y-T-H-E-W-A-Y-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot C-O-M. <laughs> Laura at bythewaycoaching.com. It would be great to hear from you. And I want to help you with this exercise so we can identify some of your self-sabotage mechanisms. And of course, if you want to work with me, you know, for six months, I do six months um, coaching, private coaching packages at a time, and we can work together and really dig in and rebuild that part of your brain so that you create success naturally in your life. It's brilliant. And it's so much fun. I've been working on my own self-sabotage issues and they have just really created amazing things in my life that this doing this business in and of itself has been proof that I can do anything that I want to. And that all I have to do is as identify all of my self-sabotage mechanisms, reverse engineer them, and it becomes easy. And it's just so amazing. So I've done that with my healthy relationships. I've done that with my business. I still have things I'm going to work on that are, I know will eventually get better. And it's just a matter of, of time and a matter of work. And it's just the coolest process ever. So I invite you to be part of this process if that's what you need. And of course, I am here to help if you need me to help. If you want some guidance, um, I would love to be there for you. So I hope you enjoy this exercise, that you learn a lot about yourself, that you get some clarity. And that is it for self-sabotage today. I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you next time. Bye. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.